This is a reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 4. Then Moses answered, But suppose they do not believe me or listen to me, but say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw the staff on the ground, and it became a snake. And Moses drew back. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and seize it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and grasped it, and it became a staff in his hand. So that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. He put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was leprous, as white as snow. Then God said, put your hand back into your cloak. So he put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his body. If they will not believe you or hear the, heed the first sign, they may believe the second sign. If they will not believe even those two signs or heed you, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf? seeing or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, what of your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. Even now he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He shall serve as a mouth for you and you shall serve as God for him. Take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Chris. We're quite a pair tonight, Pastor Beth and I. It is time for the sermon, right? Is it communion now? Lord, be with my mouth, a prayer that all of us can pray, and we'll find out why now. You know how the story goes, called upon to be uh, the mouthpiece of God and uh, the liberator of his people. Moses was, shall we say, reluctant. You see, his speaking ability was not exactly stellar. 
Yet God assures Moses, not once, but twice, that I, God, will be with your mouth and teach Moses what to say and what to do. Interesting phrase, I will be with your mouth. It occurs to me that many, many people have asked God to be with their mouth in one way or another. Um, in, in school, uh, maybe uh, some of you uh, younger people and <clears throat> some of us older people can remember um, the day when we were contemplating talking to that boy or girl that we liked uh, or the cool kids whose approval we sought. Didn't we utter some variation of a prayer that went something like this? Lord, help me to say something cool, or at least not something stupid. <laughs> Lord, be with my mouth. Or, if we're the sort who is prone to anger, blurting out something that we would regret later. Anybody ever fall into that category? Nobody here, I'm sorry. All right, Bob, Bob. All right, Bob. Really? I know, Bob. I know that that's true. Um, for me and for me and Bob. So if you're if you're one of those, for instance, um, you might say that little prayer too. Uh, help me not to say something hurtful or insensitive, please, or something that will get me in trouble. Lord, be with my mouth. And there are times that we have. We have to have a frank conversation with someone that, uh, maybe someone that we care about a lot, um, about something important. Again, Lord, be with my mouth. Help me to say the right things. And underneath all of our pleas is the ever-present concern that maybe I don't know the right things to say or I won't know how to say them or say it well. So, you see, I may need a little help with my mouth. Albert Frederick Arthur George, known to those close to him as Bertie, was next in line to become the king of England as England was on the verge of war in 1939. But he was intensely reluctant to ascend to his role as king. You see, he had a crippling speech impediment, a stutter, and a king, of course, was expected to give spellbinding speeches. And now, in the age of radio, which was a recent thing at that time, to give speeches, of course, to millions. Yes, even speeches that could rally Britain's troops against Hitler. No, no pressure on that one. <laughs> no, this was uh, not going to work, thought uh, Albert Bertie. As a king, he would uh, be nothing but a fraud, he thought, unable to deliver what would be expected of him. Now, as a God-fearing person, who I think um, this man was, one wonders how many times Albert prayed that God would be with his mouth. Enter a speech therapist named Lionel Logue who begins working with Bertie and making some progress with his speech. And while Lionel is discovered eventually to be lacking in serious credentials as a speech therapist, he understands something more substantive than whether Bertie can speak smoothly or not. Namely, that underneath 
the stutters and stammers of Bertie, there was a powerful voice, a point of view built on incredible perseverance. There was a leader in here. Do I have a film clip tonight for you? <laughs> you better believe I do. Here is a clip from the movie The King's <clears throat> Speech where Bertie and Lionel are in Westminster Abbey shortly before Bertie will be reluctantly coronated as king. He has just found out that Lionel is a fraud of sorts and he is enraged further when he finds Lionel sitting on the royal chair in Westminster Abbey and delivers a lecture to him. He's about to find out, though, why Lionel is not, uh, not only why Lionel is not a fraud, but also why he is not a fraud. He himself, indeed, he has a voice. Let's take a look. Lock me in the tower. I would, if I could. On what charge? Fraud. With war looming, you've saddled this nation with a voiceless king. You've destroyed the happiness of my family, all for the sake of ensnaring a star patient you couldn't possibly hope to assist. It'll be like mad King George III. It'll be mad King George the Stammerer. Who let his people down so badly in their hour of need. What are you doing? Get up! You can't sit there! Get up! Why not? It's a chair. No, it, that is not a chair. That is. That, that is St. Edward's chair. People have that carved their names on it. Chair is the seat on which every king is held and in queen. Place by a large rock. That is the stone of Schoon. You are, are trivializing are you everything. You trivialize. I don't care how many royal assholes have sat Listen to me! Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? By divine right, if you must. I am your king. No, you're not. You told me so yourself. You said you didn't want it. Why should I waste my time listening because to Because I have a right to be here. I have a voice! Yes, you do. You have such perseverance, Bertie. You're the bravest man I know. You'll make a bloody good king. It's not a great scene. Oh yes, Bertie, you have a voice. And let the record show that he did indeed go on to be a bloody good king. He delivered heartfelt speeches that were an inspiration to millions of British troops. But you see, it wasn't simply that he learned to speak more fluently, which he did, of course. It's that he learned that he had a voice that came from deep within that was needed, and he learned to provide it. It's widely thought that Moses had a speech impediment too, biblical scholars believe, from the descriptions and the language it gets translated. So the thought that God would appoint him to speak words to the mighty Pharaoh that would dismantle his slave empire had to sound absurd to Moses, and frankly anyone who would be listening at that point. And so he said repeatedly to the God who was attempting to send him, I can't do that. 
I'm not the one you're looking for. He, he probably threw in a, a few, are, are you nuts, God? And even when God said, I'm the one who made you and gave you speech. I will be your, with your mouth and give you the words to say. Yes, even then Moses said, sorry, you've got the wrong one. No way. Well, we know how the story turned out. Eventually Moses knew that he was the right one. Have you ever felt for some reason that you have something that disqualifies you to speak up, to speak out, to have a voice? Something about your past? A weakness, perhaps? Keep paying attention. There are three things to observe here in this wonderful story. It's true for all of us. Number one, God chooses to do God's work all the time through people like you and me and Moses and Bertie. As flawed as we may be, and speaking for myself, I'm pretty flawed. Therefore, we have callings. Therefore, we are in mission, you and I. Missio Dei, the mission of God. We're a part of it. Um, I believe later Tanya is going to talk to the group uh, a little more about the mission of God that's right here at 12235 Old Rockford Road. A chunk of God's mission that's right here and one way that we can participate. Number two, despite Moses' speech impediment, God did consider Moses to have the qualities needed for a leader, which is why God chose Moses. Now, like Albert many years later, Moses may not have had a gifted tongue, but he had other qualities that gave him a strong voice, like courage, like faithfulness. Let me ask you a question. How often uh, do you, do we, you and I, focus on what our weaknesses are, our liabilities, and overlook where we are strong and gifted? <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. We do it all the time, don't we? Where we are strong and gifted, that is where our voice is anchored, where it comes from. And of course, I'm not just talking about a speaking voice. I'm talking about what you communicate with the totality of your life's witness in so many ways, through your actions, words, and deeds. God has given you a voice, and it is probably the case that you underestimate that voice. It's also worth pointing out that a weakness, we all have them, can be a bridge to strength. In ways, weakness can be a strength. Here's how. Our vulnerabilities, when, when we don't try to hide them, can connect us more meaningfully with others, giving resonance to our voice and humanity and permission for others to let down their guard and be vulnerable too. Thirdly, important point out of this whole thing. Whatever our gift set may be that gives us a voice, don't ever think that you are alone. We learn from this story, God is with our mouth. He will help us and he will speak through us, often in ways that we may not even perceive. So when we think something has been a failed attempt, 
that may not be the case at all in the eyes of God. We too have a voice, each one of us. We also have weaknesses, impediments, just like Bertie and Moses. And yet, in the end, God sees less of our weakness and more of our strength. Moses was a gifted leader, even with his speech impediments. Here again, our weakness can be a bridge to strength. In weakness, this is true every day. Think in your weakness, there is an invitation there to rely more on God's strength. That sounds like a strength to me. So I conclude with this. What is your voice? What is your voice? It's both what you are called to say and communicate uniquely you, and it's how you are called to say it. Again, uniquely you. Is your voice uh, to be raised in uh, advocacy for those who have been muted? Is your voice the voice of a teacher? Is your voice the calm, reassuring voice of a good counselor and listener? Is your voice the voice of of connection, engagement, community building, inclusivity? Let's get everyone together. Is your voice uh, the sort of voice that helps people to laugh and then be more relaxed and open? Is your voice a combination of those things or many, many others that I didn't name? It is a lifelong journey to hear your voice that is within you in a fresh way, to understand it, to speak it. Um, At this point in time, I, I know this firsthand. I'm listening in a fresh way to what my voice is. In God's unfolding story, you have a voice, a unique one. Please, Lord, be with my mouth and yours. Amen. Let's sing. Please stand.